I'd like to point out that that, uh, that game with the squeezing of the hands is a little unfair. Everybody knows that stuff travels a lot faster with women, you know. The, you know, they were doomed. I don't know why. <clears throat> Should have another game where they let them see who can get the muddiest or something like that and see if the boys will win. Open your Bibles to First Chronicles 28. It's a real blessing to be here. I, I don't want that to go unsaid. I want to make sure that... You guys here know I appreciate the invite. I take it seriously, and I, we've got a church back home uh, praying for it and have been praying for it for a few weeks that maybe something supernatural or eternal can just get done. You know, that's what you come together for. I mean, it's good to have a good time, and um, but like Brother Thomas said, we're trying to give some glory to God, and we're trying to look at something here, and we want something eternal to get done. First uh, Chronicles 28, look at verse 4. First Chronicles 28.4 Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler and of the house of Judah, the house of my father and among the sons of my father. He liked me to make me king over all Israel. Now, this verse here is just going to kind of help you understand the theme of the message. This thing will all tie in together and it will make sense in just a minute. But I just want to point this out. I think it's an interesting verse that he's sitting there and he's talking about Israel. So out of the whole stinking world, he picks Israel. Out of Israel, he takes out of those 12 tribes, he whittles it down to Judah. And then of all the families in Judah, he finds Jesse. And then of the eight sons, he liked David. That stands out to me. I don't know if it stands out to you, but that stands out to me. I got some family, some cousins that I love. I don't know if I really like them, though. <laughs> and he liked them. <laughs> and uh, I say all that to, to say this. I'd like to preach you a sermon today, and the sermon title will make sense in just a few minutes, but I'd like to preach you a sermon called 500 to 1. And we're going to look at some characters in the Bible and see a, a big group, and then the thing whittles down to who wants to be the closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when I went down, I went to Pensacola Bible Institute when I was uh, 19, and I had, all the, I had all the theories, all the rumors in my head that all that Ruckman guy talks about is UFOs and aliens, and they were wrong. <laughs> of course, all this UFO start stuff starts coming out, and people are like, oh, he was on to something, wasn't he? <laughs> you know what I learned down there? They, there was two things emphasized in that school over anything else, and these guys that have been there can attest to it. Dr. Ruckman and Brother Donovan both, they emphasized and they taught two things more than anything else. You've got to love and read that book, and you need to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And what those two things really boil down to are the two, that there's nothing more important in the Christian life than this, and it boils down to this, your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And just how close do you want to be to Him? So I'm going to preach to you here on 500 to 1. Uh, let's open in prayer. Father, I ask you now, Lord, as we, uh, as we open up your words and uh, we try to look a little deeper at some things, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll bless the souls that have come out. Lord, there's a bunch of folks that have come a real long way, Lord, and I, I pray, God, that I wouldn't hinder anything. And I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray the word of God would have free course in here, Lord, like I've already said. I pray, Lord, that something eternal would happen, God. It's uh, God, something that means something to you and puts a smile on your face. We love you. We promise in your son's name. Amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15 and look at verse 1. Verse 1. 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, gospel, and that He was buried, gospel, that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel, right? Look at verse 6. And after that He was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Now here's a, a great passage that defines what the gospel really is. It's connected to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and receiving that. Uh, and a group this size on a Friday night, I doubt there's anyone lost out here. But this first group, I said the title of the sermon is 500 to 1. It's interesting to me, it just kind of stands out that that number is, uh, that's, that's close to the number right there that witnessed that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to be saved in here, you've got to receive that. You have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and call upon His name and trust that He died for you so you don't have to die and go to hell. Something real simple as that, but here's a whole group here that witnessed the thing. And so it's going to, as a type at least, it's going to typify the, those that get saved and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are popes out there, there are Catholic cardinals out there, there are Muslim imams out there and Buddhist priests out there, and they all tout that they're the chosen of God. And God doesn't want anything to do with them. <laughs> He could give a flip about him, to put it bluntly. You know what it comes down to? You know who the Lord wants to talk to? You want, you want to know who the Lord wants to be close to? Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that's, that also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. <laughs> and God doesn't want some priest dressed like a woman. <laughs> who thinks he can pardon sin. God wants some guy like the publican who comes to the Lord and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And this 500, it represents people that have just gotten saved. It's a big group. Of course, the title of the sermon, it gives the whole thing away. Spoiler alert, we're going to go down to one guy. But it starts with 500. Are you in that group? Have you ever been saved? In a group this size on a Friday night, it's a, it's a, it's a long shot that there's anyone lost here. But if you are lost, you don't want to go to hell. And Jesus Christ died for your sins. He died for you, so you wouldn't have to go there. And I've thought about it many times. Father goes. And he said, oh, have a nice day, and left the Starbucks. He didn't want to deal with me anymore. Well, listen, if you die without Jesus Christ, you'll go where your father is. And your father, think about how horrible of a father Satan is. You know what he wants? He wants to see you become a paraplegic. He would love to see you tortured to death and your family tortured to death and drag you to hell and then he would die down there with you and burn with you and the only solace he'd have is listen to you scream through all that torment. Or you can trust Jesus Christ. If you're not saved in here, it's just as simple as calling on him and coming to the cross and coming down like a publican. Coming like, like Paul, wretched man that I am. God be merciful to me, a sinner, like the publican said. Now, that's, that's the 500, but let me tell you something. There's a better group. Look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Is that for me? Oh, is it? I didn't do it. Do, 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 do. It's great. I thought this would be a good time. <laughs> it's better if I was if I was at the one, I'd be mad right now. But we just started, so it's all right. Check check. Next chapter one. You guys, do you want me to start over? <laughs> you guys heard everything. All right. <laughs> it gets better, I think. <laughs> 
First uh, Corinthians, where am I at? Acts chapter 1, look at verse 1. The former treats he have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. Seen of who? Well, we know over where we were, there's above 500 witnesses that saw it, right? So we know that his, his resurrection is, is witnessed by at least 500 or a little over. Now, with that in mind, look at um, verse 14. No, verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zeletus and Judas the brother of James. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Where's the 500? You see, it's easy to believe. If you've spent any time in ministry at all, it's, it's a lot easier to lead someone to Christ than it is to disciple them. It is to get them in church. And this 120, there's something that stands out. Out of 500 people, only 120 are here at the meeting. Well, you know what? And like I said, just being in the ministry, I've led far, far more souls to Christ than I got to disciple it's hard to get them in the doors. So I can't preach this part too hard. I'm not planning to preach this real hard here because you guys are here. <laughs> of this 500 to 1, you're at least in the 120, and praise the Lord for it. Uh, look at John chapter 8. Notice that they have to continue in some things. That's important. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, look at verse 31. John 8. 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue, just like the wording over there, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He says, if you continue, if you'll continue, you'll be one of my disciples. Now listen, it's possible for someone to get saved and then just never grow, never get in their Bible. <laughs> listen, I believe salvation's easy. I'm not part of this crowd of guys that are really saved crowd. You heard this stuff? Somebody's not really saved. Well, why? Because they they're not as righteous as you are? Because <laughs> they never got in church and grew? <laughs> There's a reason that salvation's connected. They, he likens it to a birth. <laughs> because if somebody gets saved and they have a new birth and never grow, they stay a baby. There's a reason that Bible says train up a child. <laughs> and somebody gets saved and they never get in church and never grow? <laughs> and somebody says, oh, they were never saved. They never grew. <laughs> they just stayed little babies. Now, you've got to continue in some things so that you can grow. And what's interesting in Paul's books, he has these different ages. He says they're a babe in Christ and they're a young man and that thing goes until they're aged. Why? Because they've grown. And the Bible says to grow, up, grow in grace. It says you're nourished up in the Word. That's how somebody grows. Um, now, percentage-wise, what's interesting, going from 500 to 120 percentage-wise, this is almost the same as Gideon's, 30,000 down to 10,000. <laughs> of course, if you know that story, you know it gets even smaller than that. <laughs> it gets down to 300. But even there, what you're seeing is that percentage-wise, very few keep going. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Uh, grab verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now hath he reconciled. All right, so they, get, they became part of the 500. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unapprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, 
grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. There's some continuing involved. And the Lord God, he saves folks as he can present them to himself one day. And he can present you to him wholly. Notice the wording there. He says, be not moved away. You know what happens after people get saved? They move away from church. They move away from Bible reading. They start moving towards some wicked things. And I'm telling you right now, especially you young folks, there's going to be a temptation as you get up to 17, 18, 19, 20 years old to move away. And what you need to do, and as the sermon goes on, you need to get closer. You need to draw into them as close as you can. Because it's not a matter of if storms will come, it's a matter of when they come. And you're going to wish you had been a lot closer to them. And this thing right here, the wording says you've got to continue. You've got to stay close to them. And uh, like I've already said, most of you are already here, so I won't beat you over the head with it or anything like that. But listen, it's good to be saved. It's good to be a part of the 500, but it's better to continue. But turn to Luke chapter 10. There's a closer group. Luke chapter 10. There's a better group. Luke 10, look at verse 1. After these things, the Lord, the Lord excuse me, appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. He appoints 70 guys. So now the thing's down from 120 to 70. And of those 70, they're sent out to preach that the Lord's coming. <laughs> And so this is a group here, as it gets a little closer to the Lord, it, uh, it's a group that labors and preaches the gospel. You know, it's commonly said, growing up in church, I remember hearing this my whole life, that about 20% of the church does 80% of the work. And that's about right. <laughs> now this group right here, but this is, this is the 20%. Down from 500, that's pretty close. And 70 guys that are going to go out and make fools of themselves. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. A very well-known verse, especially a church like this that believes in open-air preaching and street preaching and all that good stuff, then you'll know this verse well. 1 Corinthians one twenty-one. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. And I know big Bible-believing King James churches that have stopped street preaching. I'm going to have a youth rally. I know you kids, you don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> These guys, they, they stopped doing it. Why? It doesn't work. What do you mean it doesn't work? <laughs> what are you doing it for? <laughs> is your, is your, uh, are you street preaching because you want to have a good reputation in your community? You won't have it. <laughs> We're up in Colorado, just a small church. You know what the reputation is? Oh, you're that church. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take it, man. It's a badge of honor. I'll take it. Why? Because I go out and make a fool of myself every other weekend. <laughs> I got a handful of men that will go do the same and some ladies that will hold a gospel sign. And I'm telling you guys right now that you want to get closer. And the 70's better than the 120. Just a little closer to him. Every step, I'm telling you, it's better. And it's worth it. I remember uh, James DeFerio was the king of going to Walmart. He's just, I, know, I don't know if you know this, but James can talk to anybody. Um, he could make friends with uh, Osama Bin Laden. You know what I mean? Like he could... <laughs> Him and Hitler would have gone on. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, serious. I remember he'd go to Walmart and witness, and I was like, I'm going to follow him around. I'm going to do it the same. I'm sitting there in the bread aisle one time talking to this guy, and I said, well, you ever had the bread of life? 
that's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm embarrassed saying it. <laughs> and the guy was saved and he went, are you trying to witness to me? I was trying. <laughs> I'm sitting there one time and this guy's trying to pick orange juice. I can't believe I'm telling these stories. I didn't write these down. I probably should. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in the orange juice section and I said, so many choices. Have you made the most important decision of your life? You know, and the guy's looking at me like, sir, I'm just trying to pick some morning juice. Will you leave me alone? <laughs> you know what that is? It's foolish. <laughs> and the Lord's called, us, called you to it. He's called you to go out and you're going to go to school and your friends are going to say, oh, you believe that stuff? Yes, I do. <laughs> I believe this book. <laughs> and the Lord's helped me and he's, he saved you to come a little closer to him and uh, look like an idiot. It's good for you. Now, listen, most of you won't do it. That's why I say it, by the way. Most of you won't do it. Well, then you won't be closer. You won't be part of the 70. You can continue in church all day long and praise the Lord for it. I'm glad you're not out there. But you ought to be doing just something that gets you a little closer to him. And put that flesh down. That's one of the most important parts about it. I remember the first time my dad ever went street preaching. He, didn't grow, he wasn't in a Bible-believing work and ended up getting with some guys that were a little bit nutty. <laughs> Praise the Lord for it. And he got out there to street preach, and uh, he was waiting. First time, man, shaking like a leaf and scared. And he said was waiting for this next group to come. And the preacher goes, go ahead, get started. He's standing over just a little ways across the way there. And he goes, well, I'm going to wait for them. And he yells across. He says, it's not for them. <laughs> Well, now listen, I, I'm, I, you can't take that all the way. Of course it is for them. You know what he's saying? It's for you. <laughs> to put your flesh down and lift him up just as high as he can go. And the Lord's calling you to it. I know most won't do it. But don't you want to be a little closer to him? You ought to. And it's good to be saved, but it's better to be a part of the 120. It's better to get out and labor. But there's a closer group. Look at Mark chapter uh, 3. Mark chapter 3. And look at verse 13. It says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve, that they should be with him. <laughs> That's quite a, quite a statement right there. It's quite a calling right there. And this group is not just called to preach and go out. They're called to be with him. Uh, they're being prepared. They're being ordained for the ministry. That's the wording there in verse 14. He's preparing them to, to start a work in the book of Acts. Look at uh, Mark chapter 10. There's something else that stands out about these guys. Mark 10. And you guys know who the 12 are. I don't have to get into all that. Those are the disciples that started going with him day by day, living their lives with him for the next three and a half years. Look at Mark uh, 10, 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now, that might sound like Peter's complaining, and I'm sure he is, but he's not lying. He's telling the truth. And in the next few verses, you'll see Jesus doesn't reprove him for it. Jesus almost commends him for what he's saying. And that's the truth. They'd given up some things to be near him. Verse 29, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. <laughs> Now, that, that's not him coming down on Peter for pointing something out. Maybe Peter said it in a weird way. He was kind of known for sticking his foot in his mouth. But this, these, this group here, they left all to just get closer to Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got 500 that believed. You've got 120 that continue. You've got 70 that labor and preach. And here you've got 12 that have left off some things. Why? To be with him. To be closer to him. Look at John chapter 6. 
We don't have to read this whole passage here for time's sake, but in John chapter 6, near the end of the chapter, he, uh, he preaches a real hard sermon. <laughs> and uh, it's so hard that they said, well, I don't know, they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and of course, the Lord's good. He, does, he explains it to them. I know every Roman Catholic misses it, but he explains what it is. He says, what I, the words I'm telling you, they're not physical, they're spiritual. He explains the thing. But then look what happens in verse uh, 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? <laughs> and man, for once in Peter's life, he got it right. <laughs> and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, have not I chosen you twelve? <laughs> and one of you is a devil. And I know that part. We don't have to get into that tonight. <laughs> But he's, he's looking at these guys. You're going to go somewhere? And, and Peter just has a, well, he says there's nothing to quit to. <laughs> What's better than this, Lord? Being able to be with you and being close to you. A bunch of those disciples are offended and they leave. And this group right here, they stick with them. And you know what the blessing is? There's a bunch of miracles that happen after this. And the others that left, they don't get to be a part of it. This 12 that sticks close to them, they get to see him move. They get to see him get some things on. They see his power. They see miracles. And this other group that's offended, and they leave. And they missed out on what could have been the greatest blessings of their life. And they miss out on it. And that's what happens to Christians all the time. <laughs> they get offended. <laughs> A preacher stands up here and says something that catches you sideways, and you assume it's them and not the Holy Spirit. And then you leave, and you cut out early, and you shouldn't. You need to get up next to them, just as close as you can. And keep in mind that there's nothing to quit to. I read two accounts, two different stories from World War II. One of the stories went like this. There was a fella in a tanker. They ended up making a movie about it, but even the movie didn't set up how amazing the true story was. The man is in a tank, and he, all his buddies are dead, and the, and, the, and the tank's completely surrounded by these Germans. And he uses every round in the cannon. He uses every round in the 30 caliber. He shoots every stinking round of his 50 cal. He shoots every round in his Tommy gun, every round of his pistol. He's down to grenades. You know what those Germans did? They left him alone. <laughs> this guy's a hornet. He's killed too many of our men. And they left. And that guy fought and fought and fought. <laughs> and then until he didn't have anything left, and he's sitting there, and he hears them all roll out. And he withstood long enough to make it out alive. And then there's another story I read, <laughs> another true story account where the, the Germans had surrounded these allies and they'd got them down into this spot where they were attacked on all sides and they were taking great casualties and they just hunkered down and fought and fought and fought and those guys shot cannons after cannons after cannons into that thing for days and days and days. And one morning here comes a German tank, it rolls up. And uh, the, the lid opens up, and a captain sits up with those Germans, and he shouts out there in his German accent, he shouts out, if you guys don't surrender right now, we're going to blow you all to smithereens. And it was quiet. There was a hush over the whole field. This is your last chance. Surrender now. And everything's quiet. And then one guy got up. One ally stood up and ran to the tank. And they jumped in, they closed it, and they pulled off. And then the Germans left. <laughs> that guy surrendered one day early. <laughs> he missed victory by one day. <laughs> Christian, I'm telling you, stick with it. <laughs> Don't quit. <laughs> How sad would it be to quit a day before the rapture? <laughs> to wrap this thing up just one day early. You know what the Lord's telling you to do? Just stick with it. <laughs> Get in a little closer to me. 
I know there's more trial. I know there's more tribulation closer to me. It's better if you'll get closer to him. And it's worth it, I'll tell you that right now. This, these 12 here, they, they got to see Jesus day in and day out. What a, what a blessing that would be. Can you imagine that? They get to walk with him day by day. They got to hear his words and see his work. Over there in Matthew 13, there's a time there where Jesus Christ gives a parable and he gives this parable to the whole crowd. And then he turns around with his 12 and says, come here, and I'm going to tell you what it means. <laughs> and he only gives the, uh, the, the, the uh, excuse me, he only explains the parable to the 12. And they're like, why didn't you tell these, look at this multitude. There's thousands here. He goes, not for them. <laughs> it's for you. <laughs> you know what a blessing that is? <laughs> you know what you hold in your lap? You hold a King James Bible. Do you know that that's the bestseller of all time? Still is. I don't care what they say about Harry Potter. That one's better. And it's obviously, I've never read it. That guy's guy my witness. <laughs> I only read that one. But that one right there, man, you know that it's the best sorrow of all time, but it's closed to a bunch of people because they're lost. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And you know what the Lord does to you? He says, come a little closer. I want to talk to you. <laughs> and you guys ought to start every day, start getting into that book. You know what the Lord does? <laughs> he comes to your, to your bedroom every morning. <laughs> you open up those pages. He says, I want to talk to you. I want to get a little closer to you. And I know you hit the snooze sometimes. I know you get busy sometimes, but you sometimes you turn the Lord, you, you put him off, and he wants to get closer to you. And you need to put some effort in. Now, some of you, maybe you're young and you've never been in a long-term relationship, but if you've ever been married, you know that that thing, it requires work. You can love somebody and say you love them, but if you don't put any effort in, it's not going to make any difference. That goes with anything. I want to get stronger, but I don't want to work out. Well, then it's not going to happen. <laughs> you have to apply some things. And that's the Christian walk with the Lord Jesus Christ is you've got to start applying yourself. And it's not going to happen. Listen, you will not clo get closer to Jesus Christ passively. It won't happen. It requires daily opening up these words. And you come to him saying, I want to get closer to you too. I know you want me to be closer to you, but I want to be closer to you and getting closer to him. And you ought to do that thing. Now, this thing right here was the greatest privilege of their life. It was the greatest part of their life. And by the time you get to Acts 2, 3, and 4, the Bible says that while they're over there preaching there, it says that men took knowledge that they had been with Jesus Christ. Does anybody know that about you? Is that a testimony in your life that people say, that's one of those Jesus freaks. <laughs> that's one of those guys, anything he talks about, he wants to talk about Jesus Christ. It ought to be. What it looks like to me is that each of these Smaller groups are kind of taken out of the previous one. Here we are where we've, the 120, they come out of the 500, obviously. But the 70, they come out of the 120, and then you're all the way down to 12 here. Now, I'm really just trying to drive this home today that it's good to be saved, and it's good to continue, and it's good to labor. What about this group here? Have you forsaken some things to get a little closer to him and follow him? These guys are walking with Jesus Christ. You walking with him? Have you had to forsake some things? Maybe you have to forsake your reputation. <laughs> Maybe you have to forsake some sports on Sunday. Maybe you have to forsake some sin. Maybe there's some music you've got to forsake. You know what most of you are going to do? If I'm just being real honest with you, most of you won't do it. And what will happen is you'll end up a part of the 120. One of these days you're going to stand before him and see him, and he's going to say, man, I wish you would have been a little closer to me. There's some rewards that you missed out on because you wouldn't get a little closer to me. You wouldn't forsake some things to get closer to me. Instead, you loved yourself more than you loved me. But if you'd forsake some things, if you get a little closer to him, it'd, it'd mean something. It'd mean something to him. 
I remember uh, recently I heard a story of an old missionary who was over there in India. And this old missionary, he was over there and he was dying. And the, the London Mission Board sent over one of these young missionaries to help the guy out. And pretty soon the, the old preachers just kind of laid up in a hut. And uh, one day that young missionary gets a letter in the mail. And he looks at the thing and the thing says, uh, hey, won't you come back? We've got, we got a big work for you. Come back to London. We'll make you president of the mission board. You come back and we'll all work out. He shoves that thing in his pocket and he's watching this fella die, thinking, man, what am I going to do? So one day he's sitting there with the old preacher and the old preacher's looking at him and says, what's going on, man? I can tell something's wrong. He goes, oh, nothing, nothing. He said, listen, man, I was born at night. It wasn't last night. Won't you tell me what's going on? I've been doing this a while. Tell me what's going on. He pulls out the letter and hands it to that old preacher, that old dying preacher. He reads the thing over, reads there, inviting him to come back and take the thing. The young preacher says, listen, man, can, can I just be, can I just ask you an honest question? He goes, yeah, shoot, man, go ahead. He said, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but should I really waste my life away out here in the jungles of India? Should I really waste my life out here dying like you are? Or should I go back? The preacher's sitting there. He goes, the young preacher, the young missionary asked the old preacher, he said, your wife and child died out in that jungle, isn't that right? He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, you've been preaching here 25 years, right? Yeah. He goes, you have a church of just a couple people after all these years. Is that right? He goes, yeah. And he's like, now you're dying of a fever in a jungle hut. Isn't that right? He goes, yeah. He goes, should I waste my life out here or should I go back? Should I go back to London? Should I, should I get a part of the big ministry and the bigger job? What do you think I should do? And the old preacher sat back and kind of thought for a minute, kind of closed his eyes. He goes, I do think I have something that will help you. He goes, all right, go ahead. The old preacher started talking like there was no one else in the room, kind of spacing out, looking up there, and he goes, one of these days, pretty soon, I'm going to die. I'm going to be untethered from this body. My soul's going to go up to heaven there. I'm going to open up my eyes for the first time in glory, and I'm going to look around. I'm going to take a little walk there by the crystal sea, and I'm going to go up under the branches of the tree of life. And as I'm heading up towards Mount Zion where Jesus is, as I'm walking up there, an angelic being is going to step out. And she's going to say, good morning. And I'll say, good morning. She goes, do you recognize me? And the old preacher is going to say, no, I don't, I don't recognize you. <laughs> and she says, I was a little girl 25 years ago out your, outside that little church. I was the first soul that you led to Christ. Come on, i got to introduce you to somebody. She's going to take me up hand in hand and we're going to head up into Mount Zion and we're going to approach that throne and Jesus Christ is going to step down because he always would come down for a sinner. And as he approaches, he's going to turn to him and say, Jesus, this man was the first man to introduce me to you and I'd like to be the first one to introduce you to him. <laughs> and he looked at that young preacher and he goes, does that help you? And that young preacher goes, yeah, I'll stay. <laughs> now, folks, listen. <laughs> It'll cost you, but it's worth it. It's worth it all if you'll get to see him again and be able to look in his face and say, Lord, I did my best. I had to forsake some things. I had to tell some friends goodbye, some girlfriends and boyfriends I had to say goodbye to, but it was worth it to be closer to you. But folks, there's a better group. Look at Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 1, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a mountain apart. We've gone from 500, and now we're down to three guys. 
Now what's interesting about these characters, Peter, James, and John, there are times in the gospel when Jesus Christ would go and do something and he'd tell the other 12 to sit back and he'd just take the three. <laughs> he said, no, no, you guys sit outside. I got something to show these guys. Peter, James, and John. And there's, a, there's times where he only he exclusively took those. He does it actually three different times. He does it with the daughter of Jairus there. Da- uh, Jairus' daughter is dead and Jesus Christ goes in and he raises her from the dead. He leaves the other 12 outside. They had to hear about it. They were just there. They could have just walked in. No, Peter, James, and John come a little closer to me. <laughs> he takes them in and shows them something. And what do those three guys have? They got a chance to see some things that no one else ever got to see. They just got to hear about it. <laughs> Bartholomew and those guys, what happened in there? Oh, you won't, you're not going to believe it, man. <laughs> they got to be a part of something that no one else got to be a part of. In that house, they got to see the power of God. They see a dead girl get brought back to life. Here in Matthew 17, these guys, they go up into a mountain with Jesus Christ where he reveals his true glory. They get to get a sneak preview of the second advent of Jesus Christ. They get to see his, him in his glorified form. The other guys just got to hear about it. <laughs> He takes these guys up there. Out of 500, now we're down to three guys that got to see his glory like no one else ever gets to see him. Not until much later. And I'm going to tell you right now, these guys weren't the most intellectual. They were fishermen. (laughs) They were rough cats. But these guys right here, they wanted to be closer to Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you right now, it wasn't just about their character per se either. Peter's always sticking his foot in his mouth. (laughs) getting himself in trouble. He was presumptuous. He was full of pride sometimes. One time Jesus called him the devil himself. (laughs) But he says, come here, I got some things I want to just show you. And the same thing goes for the other guys. (laughs) James and John, they're called the sons of thunder. They had some pride in them. And at one point they're sitting there going through Samaria. They they misunderstand something. And they're like, should we burn this place up like Elijah did? (laughs) And you know what he says? He goes, you don't even know what spirit you're of. You have an unclean spirit on you. It's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Same, very similar to there with, uh, with Peter. But these, these three, they, got, they do have something kind of special about them. You know what it is? They wanted to be closer to them. You know one of the other times James and John stuck their foot in their mouth? They said, can we sit next to you? Now, I know that was the wrong thing to ask, but they wanted to be closer to them. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> we want to be right next to you, Lord. <laughs> I know they did it the wrong way, but the best I can tell is these guys just wanted to be close to them. And the closer you want to get to the Lord, the more he goes, come on come a little closer. That's how it goes. And the effort that you put into it, he'll put it back. And if you draw nigh to God, the Bible says, he draws nigh to you. And he gets closer to you. The Lord Jesus Christ says, come a little closer. And the third thing those three guys got to do was they got to see Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. They got to see the Lord take the cup of God's wrath for mankind. They got to sit there, and I know they were falling asleep like a couple knuckleheads, but they were close to him. There's a chance that they heard, not my will, but thine be done. They got to be a part of that thing. How beautiful a thing that would have been to be able to see Jesus Christ doing that for you and I. And some of you are saved in here. Maybe that's all. Get in. Continue. Some of you are a little bit closer. Maybe, maybe, you, have, maybe you are in church. Maybe you are laboring. But let me tell you something. You ought to get closer to him. Let me ask let me put it like this. Have you, have you seen God's power in your own life? Or have you heard about it happening in somebody else's life? Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've just seen God's power at a distance. Don't you want to have it in your own life? You've got to draw closer to Him. <laughs> you've got to put some effort into the thing. I don't know about you. I want to be closer to Him. 
And God ends up using these men to lead the church in the first steps of the church age. And in Galatians, Paul calls those three men pillars. From 500 to 120, down to 70, down to 12, down to 3. And there's one more. Look at John chapter 13. 500 to 1. John chapter 13, verse 23. Now there was, leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now down, down from 500, we're down to just one guy. This is John here, and he's leaning on Jesus Christ. And in a room full of tough fishermen, here's one guy leaning on Jesus Christ's chest. And he didn't care what any of them thought. <laughs> I just want to be closer to him. And there were 12 men in that room that had forsaken all. There were three that had been close and got to see the power of God. But there's one man. And his most defining quality was that he loved Jesus Christ. He loved them. And he loved him so much that when Jesus Christ is taken to the cross, every other disciple, uh, disciple turns tails and runs, and John says, I'll go. I'll go in with him. If I have to die, I'll die with him, but I want to be close to him. <laughs> There's only one disciple who got to see Jesus Christ take on the sins of the world. And even if it killed him, his defining quality and what separated him from the 500 and even the three was his love for Jesus Christ. And that means that not all of the 500 really loved him, at least not like John did. Now listen, I'm not here to praise John. I know John had problems, but you're seeing something stand out about him. And you're going to see here in a minute just how much the Lord loved him, how close they were. But oh, that thing goes all the way down. The 120 didn't really love him. The 70, down to the three, Peter turns tail and runs. But not John. John said, I'll die with him. And he loved Christ more than he loved himself. There in 1 John 4.19, John wrote, we love him because he first loved us. And when John writes about himself, he calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. So he wasn't magnifying, he didn't say the disciple who loved Jesus, magnifying his own love. He put it all on Jesus Christ. He loves me. 1 John 4.16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. He's always writing about love. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, 38. Here's Mary here, Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet. Here's another person who just wants to be real close to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and while there's work that's getting done and all this stuff and Martha's getting bent out of shape about it, look how Jesus responds, verse 41. Jesus answered and said Martha, unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. <laughs> now listen, some preachers would be happy with a group that just works. They'd be happy with the 70. <laughs> What we need are Christians who love Jesus Christ more than themselves. And they love Jesus Christ more than their sin. They love Jesus Christ more than their reputation. They love Him. And so they'll do whatever it takes to be close to Him. And Martha's sitting here mad and some Christians get mad because how close somebody wants to be to Jesus Christ. You know what he says? He says it can't even be taken away from her. Now think about that. If you have the judgment seat of Christ one day, the Bible says you can lose some rewards. They can burn up. 
The judgment's testing your work to see what sort it is. But here in Luke it says, Mary hath chosen that good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. <laughs> you know what that means? If you're doing things for the Lord Jesus Christ based on your love for Him, you can't lose it at the judgment. <laughs> if it's based on your love for Him and you're doing it the right way with the right motive and the right heart, and here we are, we're down from 500 down to one guy. And that John, his defining quality is his love for Jesus Christ. You know how I know? Well, for one thing, it's in 1 John, the word love shows up 46 times. <laughs> 1 John, the whole book's about loving the Lord and God's love. You know how else I know? And we don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 21, Peter finally gets right. <laughs> you know what Jesus asked him? Lovest thou me more than these? You know who's sitting there? John's sitting there. <laughs> Peter had been boasting, I'll die before you, Lord. I'll, I'll die with you. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he runs. <laughs> but John is sitting there, and he goes, do you love me more than he loves me? <laughs> The answer is no. <laughs> Maybe that's why he kept asking him. <laughs> you don't love me as much as this guy. That was his defining quality. He's a disciple whom Jesus loved. And if you're saved, praise the Lord. If you're continuing in prayer and Bible reading, praise God. That's good. And you know that. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord for it. If you're laboring and working, praise the Lord. If the Lord's preparing you to, for, for ministry and sacrificing good, but man, it's a blessing to get up real close to him. And what if it was your testimony that was defined by somebody who says, that guy just loves Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, that's, that's what stands out about him. It's not his love for football. <laughs> it's not his love for some girl, but his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? That one that loves is still part of the three that are close, still part of the 12, part of the 70, all the way back to 500. And I don't know what group you're in, but I know this. Your desire should be to be the one. It's right up next to him. Another one that's great is Mary Magdalene. <laughs> I know she's not here, but I mean, that woman's up next to the cross. <laughs> I'm ready to die. <laughs> and you girls need to keep that in mind as well. There's someone who can represent you as well. And you know what's a blessing about that? She gets up close to the Lord and, and wants to be right there when he dies. So that when he comes back, when he raises from the dead, he reveals himself to her first. You know what that shows me? The one gets some revelation that no one else gets. You know how I know that? John gets revelation. <laughs> he gets some things revealed to him later on. With each smaller group comes a greater level of faithfulness, some commitment, a greater level of sacrifice, a greater level of faith. And it will cost you more to be closer to Jesus Christ. And I've been in the ministry a little while. The ministry isn't easy. Sometimes it's very hard, but... God's looking for someone to get up close to Him no matter how hard it gets, no matter how hot the fire gets. And the Lord Jesus Christ wants someone that loves Him. The real question is, what do you love? What's keeping you from loving Him more? I bet if you sat and thought about it for about five seconds, you could pinpoint something in your life that's pulling you back from loving Him more. And you know what the Lord says? You want to get a little closer? You've got to deal with that. John's the only one of the 500 to put his head on the chest of our God and put his ear up to the heartbeat of eternity. The only one. John's the only one that, of the 12 that gets to see Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. John's the only one of the 12 that got to watch the Lamb of God take away the sins of the world. Peter, James, and John, they all got to go up the mountain and get the sneak preview, but <laughs> John gets to see the real thing. I'll show it to you. Look at Revelation chapter 1. Almost done. 
Peter, James, and John. They go up in the Mount of Transfiguration. They get a they get a sneak preview of the thing, and that's a blessing. But if you consider how much John loved the Lord Jesus Christ, these verses will stand out a little different. If you really consider it, if you think to yourself what it would have been like for John to lose not just his Savior, not just his Master, but to lose his closest friend, and then he's over there on the Isle of Patmos. <laughs> And he's been beaten and tortured for his faith. And then he hears a voice. Look at Revelation 1, look at verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's suffering there. He's hurting there because he wouldn't get, he, he just couldn't not open his mouth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse uh, 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet <laughs> saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and, uh, and uh, what thou seest write in a book. Look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice of that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength." (laughs) Now just imagine, one of the most important things that ever helped me with Bible reading was somebody said, live in the Bible. Get in it and actually try to understand and see what they would have seen. Here's John sitting here and he hears a voice that comes from behind them. He goes, I know that voice. <laughs> I know that voice. And he turns around, just an old man, about 90-something years old, turns around. He sees his friend. <laughs> and the Lord reveals some things. And you guys know the rest of the book. <laughs> By the end of that thing, the Lord Jesus Christ comes back on some horses. He comes back in a, de- a vesture dipped in blood. The King of kings and Lord of lords. And John's just sitting there going, whew. And he just sits right down that whole thing. Why? He wanted to be closer. He wanted to get a little closer to the Lord. One of these days, you're going to hear a voice. You are. And they're not going to say Tyler Campbell or Kevin Thomas. He's going to say your name. I wonder if you'll recognize that voice or not. You see, the closer you get to him now, the more time you spend in that book now, the better picture you'll have of the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear that voice and go, I know that voice. It'd be pretty weird if you didn't hear that voice and you turn around and he doesn't really recognize you and you don't really recognize him. He goes, well, you got, you got my blood on you. What a difference it'll be for Christians. Some of you will hear, well done. And some of you will hear, well, you're here. Don't you want to hear the other one? So where are you today? Which group are you in? Are you part of the 500? Are you saved in here? Hope you're saved. But don't stop there. It is so much sweeter if you'll get a little closer to them. Maybe you're part of the 120. Get closer. Don't just sit there. Get up to the 70 and start looking like a fool and saying some things for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't stop there. Get up next to the 12 and forsake some things for Him. Let it cost you some things. It cost Him a lot to save you and put some things aside to get closer to Him. And listen, I'm telling you, the closer you get, the sweeter it gets. You'll get up to that three and you'll look back and you'll say, man, I'm finally getting to see some of that power. 
The preachers get up here and they, they give testimony of how good God is and the miracles they've seen and you just have to hear about it at a distance. Wouldn't you like to see it in your own life? Then you have to get a little bit closer. And then finally, I'll put it like this. Are you trying to be the one? I don't think anyone is here. I know I'm not, that's for sure, but I, it's a desire in my heart. My desire in my heart is to get a little closer to Him and John's testimony and Mary Magdalene's testimonies was that they loved God more than they loved themselves and it defined their life and their testimony. You know what the Bible says? If any man love God, the same is known of him. You know what this all comes down to? I'm looking for one tonight. It'd be great if all of you could get it, but you won't. If there's just one, one girl, one guy, just one, that in their heart they'll settle the thing, God, I want to be closer to you. And like many, many Christians throughout the ages, those Old Testament Jews and more, they would say, here am I, Lord. <laughs> I want to get closer to you. Whatever group you're in today, it should be a goal to get a little closer to the Lord. And it comes down to the very first thing I said. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, preacher, I'm done. Amen. We're going to go ahead and stand here and instruments are going to play and many of you have been in church before. I don't know most of you though. Brother Campbell mentioned at the beginning those 500 brethren. They just believed. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins because you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, the Bible says now is the accepted time and now is the day of salvation. The opportunity is here now. You can come forward. You can get your, your leader, somebody who brought you. You can get my attention. You can get the preacher's attention. And we'll go ahead and grab a Bible. Somebody will take a Bible, open it up, and show you how you can know for sure your sins are forgiven forever. That's a promise from God. That's not because I said so. It's not because Brother Campbell said. That's because God says so in His Word. He promises in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised. That's His promise. And you can have that promise tonight if you're not saved. If you're saved in here, what is amazing to me is the God of the universe wants you to be close to Him. Knowing how terrible you are and how much you fail, he goes, I want you as close as you can possibly be. You know what keeps you from that? You do. It's simply you. The Lord looks down and he says, my son, give me thine heart. And we go, I'm not so sure I want to. And the truth is, you're as close as you want to be. And he'll, you know why? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. It's your choice whether you get close or not. It's your choice whether you want it. And if you want it, you can have it. The odds sound really low for people who want it. But boy, if you want it, he's not holding it back. You can have it tonight. Father, I do pray you would bless the invitation to him now. Lord, those that have already come to the altar, those who need to come and have something in the way between them and their love for you, I pray. 
Father, that Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified even now. Lord, if someone is lost in this room, they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. They'd take the time to let us show them out of the Word of God and they can call upon Jesus Christ tonight to save them. In Jesus' name, amen.